You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Julie Larson Brisher, Science and Technology Editor for Meeting Place Magazine. Welcome to Episode 45 of Meeting Pod, where we're talking poultry science and research trends with one of my favorite scientists and all-around favorite people, Dr. Denise Hurd, Director of Research for the U.S. Poultry and Egg Association and the U.S. Poultry Foundation. It's been a year since Denise was Meeting Pod's very first guest, and I'm really looking forward to getting the scoop on U.S. Poultry's research programs, from scientific insights gained in 2021 to what's in the pipeline for poultry research in 2022. Denise administers the All Feather Associations and its foundations comprehensive research program and board research initiative program, which encompasses all components of poultry and egg production and processing. She also provides leadership of the foundation's research advisory committee, receiving and evaluating research proposals and making recommendations to the board of directors for both organizations for funding approval. More than $33 million has been reinvested in research funding by U.S. Poultry and its foundation, with more than 50 universities and federal and state facilities receiving grants over the years. Currently, the organizations are funding more than $1 million annually on a variety of industry-selected topics spanning all sectors of the poultry industry. We're also about eight weeks away from the International Production and Processing Expo, the annual industry event organized by U.S. Poultry, the American Feed Industry Association, and the North American Meat Institute. In 2022, IPPE returns to an in-person event in Atlanta, and we'll have Gwen Venable, U.S. Poultry Executive Vice President of Communications, tell us more about the latest show activities and networking and education opportunities a little later in this episode. Welcome to Meeting Pod, Denise. We're delighted to have you as a guest for Conversation 2.0. Hi, Julie. I'm thrilled to be back with you for Podcast 2.0. Thank you so much for inviting me to share with you what's been going on with the U.S. Poultry Research Program since we last met. I'm always delighted to talk to you, Denise. And so I'm going to get right to the questions today. And I'm going to talk about, well, you know, I mean, a year ago, I asked you to tell us about some of the most exciting research projects that you expected would be completed in 2021. And were there any results from those funded projects that you'd like to highlight for our audience today? Yes, we had several projects to be completed in 2021, and I'd like to highlight a few of them. But I must admit that setbacks from the COVID-19 pandemic halted progress on a number of our active studies, and thus they're still being conducted. But let's focus on the positive and review some of the highly impactful projects that did get completed. The findings have been shared on the U.S. Poultry website for the benefit of the industry, as well as our new U.S. Poultry Research Highlight Series. So let's start at the process and plant and review what we learned over the past year about PAA or parasitic acid. PAA has been an effective antimicrobial agent in the poultry industry, predominantly being used in chillers, but has recently been expanded to other unit processes 
A recently completed study out of the Georgia Institute of Technology systematically assessed the fate and long-term effects of PAA solutions on poultry processing biological nitrogen removal, BNR, and anaerobic treatment processes, which are typically used by the poultry processing industry. The researchers also aim to develop an effective methodology to either avoid or mitigate any negative effects. Some of the key findings of the project show that continuous direct addition of PAA solution at specific rates to the BNR anaerobic reactor did not affect system performance. Both processes were negatively affected by continuous feeding with residual PAA-bearing wastewater. However, the impact or the effect of the PAA on system performance was fast reversed and not lasting after feeding with PAA-free wastewater. The microbial community composition of the BNR system reactors shifted significantly over the long-term operation with addition of PAA solution, but the PAA impact was fast reversed after PAA addition was ceased. We learned from this study that nitrification, denitrification, and anaerobic degradation will be affected when wastewater with high residual PAA concentrations are expected at the end of the plant operation shift due to emptying chiller tanks or in the case of accidental PAA solution spills. This information enhanced our understanding relative to the fate and effect of PAA solutions in processing wastewater treatment systems, information crucial for the rational design and operation of biological treatment processes, especially those related to biological nutrient removal and anaerobic wastewater treatment. So that's at the processing plant level. Now, moving on to the field, another interesting project coming out of the University of Maryland evaluated the differences in immune response, gut morphology, and microbiome, and behavior of fast and slow-growing broiler chickens, which were challenged with Salmonella typhimurium. The prevalence of Salmonella in broiler flocks and products is an important production, food safety, and human health concern. Colonization of salmonella in the chicken GI tract can be affected by many physiological and environmental factors such as age, genetics, nutrition, gut health, environment, stress, and management. The overall findings from this study design showed that breed had a much stronger effect than salmonella challenge on the parameters measured. And a third completed project, hailing from Auburn University that I'll mention, addressed four alternative AVMA-approved euthanasia methods, which can be utilized for broiler breeders and turkeys when manual cervical dislocation is not feasible. The four methods included mechanical cervical dislocation, captive bolt, carbon dioxide inhalation, and electrical euthanasia. This project was important because on-farm euthanasia of large, heavy poultry, including broiler breeders and turkeys, can be particularly challenging, and the operator's ability to kill humanely depends greatly on their physical strength. Applying manual cervical dislocation can be very difficult 
on larger and mature poultry weighing between 4 to 30 kilograms. The data collected from this project show that the four methods evaluated can be used successfully to euthanize broiler breeders and turkeys and are safe to use when manual cervical dislocation isn't feasible. So these are just a few of the projects that we had completed in 2021 that I wanted to share with you today. And the full reports for all of these that I've mentioned can be accessed on our U.S. Poultry website. You know, Denise, um, that's that's a really, actually, that's three, but it's a really wide range of different kinds of research. So my next question, what's new in research project that are funded for 2022? And I'm not going to be surprised if you talk about this. This is a really wide range, right, of research that you're that you're talking about. Well, your prediction is correct, Julie. I'm sure you already knew I was going to say, well, there's a lot that's new, exciting, novel, and unique coming out of the U.S. Poultry Research Program for next year. We recently funded several new projects. One of the projects is going to utilize dry hydrogen peroxide as a replacement for formaldehyde in commercial poultry hatcheries. We also recently funded two projects to research salmonella redding in turkeys. The first project compares vaccination against salmonella redding using a cross-protective salmonella BBS-866 vaccine versus the commonly used AVPRO Megan egg vac to assess their ability to reduce outbreak-associated salmonella redding, colonization, dissemination, and persistence in turkeys. So that's the first salmonella redding project. The second project is going to evaluate vertical transmission of salmonella redding outbreak strain in turkeys using bioluminescent imaging. So those are going to be two exciting projects we have coming forward. And some of our other funded works that's going to be started and some that will be completed in 22 consist of developing an mRNA-based vaccine for heterosubtypic protection against infectious bronchitis virus and infectious laryngotracheitis, identifying genetic determinants of Campylobacter jejuni that promote bacterial survival during processing and storage, evaluating the impact of increased humidity and heat with ventilation shutdown for the depopulation of layers, broilers, as well as turkeys, and then several other studies looking at avian rheoviruses, necrotic enteritis, commercial egg production, and animal welfare. So yes, lots of exciting new research. <laughs> That's a busy year. And, and obviously you just discussed and hit on a couple of the buzzwords, salmonella and campy. You know, these are always of interest to poultry processors and producers. And I'm wondering we know that USDA is continuing to put a lot of emphasis on these two pathogens to try to control and mitigate their presence and to help reduce human illness associated with them. Are there any updates about U.S. poultry-supported research designed to help poultry producers and processors better meet those regulatory performance standards? I was hoping you would ask me that question. Because yes, <laughs> because of the increased emphasis on salmonella and campylobacter, that it is because of that that U.S. Poultry issued a special 
board research initiative request for proposals last month. The poultry industry has seen many changes in production and processing over the last century, but food safety issues and outbreaks associated with Salmonella and Campylobacter continue to persist. Research is needed to develop effective and practical prevention, intervention, and control strategies. We received many excellent proposals tackling some of the following areas that I'll go over. First, to develop effective and practical intervention strategies which result in quantifiable salmonella and campylobacter reduction at the breeder, hatchery, grow out, and processing levels to develop cost-effective and practical methods to quantify the impact of salmonella and campylobacter control interventions in the field, to evaluate interventions such as vaccination, prebiotics and probiotics and immune modulators, and develop strategies for breeders and commercial turkeys and chickens to reduce or eliminate salmonella and campy of bird origin in the process and plant and final products. Also, to evaluate the ecology and survivability of Campylobacter throughout production, develop effective Campylobacter vaccines, and to answer two specific research questions. One being, does Campylobacter transmission from hens to progeny occur due to eggshell contamination or true vertical transmission? And the second being, can the molecular epidemiology of salmonella serotypes in poultry help determine epidemiologic associations and shared sources. So as you can see, we are on top of everything that's coming out of the USDA, and we're going to try to answer those questions and and tackle those questions with research. Well, and this might be a little off, but I've been hearing a lot more from the university level about growing and strengthening the science in the field of microbial ecology or microbiomes. And I know you mentioned that a little bit earlier. I'm wondering, is that kind of research also important to U.S. Poultry's research programs in helping identify some of these interventions, just knowing more about the environment in which these pathogens tend to like to grow? I think that's hugely important. We can't really answer some of the tough questions until we until we know those answers because it's all working together. So yes, that is a part of our research priorities that we have on our website is looking at the basically the microbiome and the ecology of those different bacteria and, and viruses as well. What do you think, and probably it's inclusive of Salmonella and Campylobacter in particular, but what what do you think are the most pressing issues for the poultry industry that scientific advances would help answer in the next several years? And and Julie, I, I feel like that's a really tough question to answer without a crystal ball, of course. But what I can say is that animal welfare and food safety and environmental management are definitely at the top of the list. They stay at the top of the list. There are a number of projects going on in the industry around robotics and artificial intelligence. And I feel that automation and scientific advances in those areas are really going to be crucial to address some of the pressing issues. Yeah. Let's bring Gwen into our conversation now and talk a little bit about IPPE 2022. Gwen, thanks for being our special guest today on the podcast. Thank you, Julie. I look forward to talking about IPPE. 
<laughs> well, it's really exciting that we're back to an in-person event in January. And I'm wondering, can you just tell us a little bit about the educational programs planned, what attendees can expect in terms of expo activities or career development opportunities? So let me start off by saying that we are really, really looking forward to being back in person in Atlanta, January 25th through the 27th for the International Production and Processing Expo. There will be daily educational programs and workshops that will be led by industry experts, the educational content being offered Monday through Friday of IPPE. And kicking off Expo Week, the education program schedule will include the International Poultry Scientific Forum, Latin American Poultry Summit, and the ever-popular Pet Food Conference. The 2022 IPP will also include new educational programs, and we encourage participation in these great learning sessions. In addition, there will be several attendee activities and networking opportunities available, including the welcome reception that will be held at the Georgia World Congress Center, the Tech Talks and Innovation Station new product showcase, as well as the networking lounge on the show floor. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that IPPE is about more than the current state of our industries. It's also about our future. Approximately 700 students will be participating in the U.S. Poultry Foundation College Student Career Program, viewing for employment and our internships during the expo, and the PhD and vet career program fair will also be offered. Wow, it really sounds great. I mean, it feels like it's just been too long since, and it's always old home week now that we're kind of back on the road and traveling to the conventions and the conferences and meetings that we love to attend every year, and IPP would be at the top of my list for that. And I it, just to be able to see people in real life is an amazing thing. I just feel like I'm ready to learn, you know. <laughs> well, I will say that we are looking forward to reconnecting everyone to the animal food, meat, and poultry industries. And January 25th to the 27th, we're going to make that happen in Atlanta. I love it. Well, you know, I'm going to thank you both so much for giving us the scoop on IPPE and sharing your expert insights with our Meeting Pod listeners today. And listeners, you can register and find out more about IPPE 2022, which takes place January 25th to 27th at the Georgia World Congress Center in Atlanta at IPPEexpo.org. That's www.IPPEexpo.org. Org. On the website, you'll find educational program agendas and information described by Gwen for the International Poultry Scientific Forum, Latin American Poultry Summit, Pet Food Conference, and more. You can also head over to meetingplace.com and access our magazine archives to read our February 2020 science profile featuring Denise and her thought leadership in advancing U.S. poultry's research programs. Denise has also contributed a number of U.S. poultry exclusive technical articles to our online science and technology series focused on poultry science issues and trends. You can also check that out on our website in the technical article archive section. Denise and Gwen, as always, this has been a fantastic conversation. I'm really looking forward to seeing you both IRL in Atlanta. (laughs) Thanks so much, Julie. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for spending time with Meeting Pod today. Remember to tune in on Mondays and get the inside track on the people and processes that power the protein supply. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Meeting Place and Altmate magazines on social media, or visit our websites at meetingplace.com and alt-meet.net. <laughs>